We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast, where we are going to break down a little TGFBI, a little Tout Wars, and most importantly, we're going to hit mid-tier hitters, hitters 100 through 280p. You're listening to the Rotowire Fantasy Bot Fantasy Baseball Podcast, brought to you WinBet, starting right now. Hey everybody, welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Baseball Podcast. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Uh, we are brought to you by WinBet. Thank you to WinBet for your uh, continued sponsorship. We are excited about this podcast. You can spend a lot of time on mid-tier hitters, hitters in the 100 to 200 range in ADP on the NFBC. Uh, we'll start off a little bit of news at the top and we'll look at our respective leagues and then dive into the, the, the meat of the podcast with the hitters in that range. But let's start off uh, a, a popular, popular at least in Rotowire circles, uh, closer candidate is no longer. Cody Hoyer uh, went uh, and had Tommy John surgery on his elbow, so... Jason Collette, I'm blaming you for my. I, I gave was going to give you credit if you got it right, but now that uh, he's out for the season, I'm blaming James uh, J- Jason Collette because then his bold predictions article he said he'd lead uh, Hoyer would lead the Cubs in saves. Obviously, that's not going to happen. No, I'm not blaming Jason, but <laughs> uh, I have my first cut in mixed labor, so there is that. Hey, it's good to get that first cut out of the out of the way. I'm not even going to make a Cheryl Crow joke. It's good to get that first cut out of the way, though, and. Um... I, I wasn't in on Hoyer in any circle. Actually, I haven't been in on any Cubs reliever, even Rowan Wick, who I did have some shares of last year, but I haven't I haven't gone to to that to him, even though he's Canadian also, but I haven't gone in that direction. Wow. Maybe maybe now I will, but I don't think so. Such an unloyal subject. I know. He's from way out in British Columbia. Like, I don't know. It's pretty far away from me. Yeah. It's a a boot too far. A boot All too right. Far, yeah. Um so yeah. Zeroed him out. Rowan Wick is the leading candidate, but I don't. I don't want to lock it in that Wick is the guy. Absolutely uh, be- not. Even yeah. if there's no clear identifiable alternative, you know, when you're looking at a team like the Cubs, it could be like Brad Week. It could be Manuel Rodriguez. They could add other help off the waiver wire. Uh, after you know, they could co- convert a starter at AAA that's not getting it done. There's so many different routes that they could take. To, to address this here and especially when last year they made they made certain pains not to identify anybody as the main closer yeah 
Yeah, and I mean, Wick has a career 130 whip. That just, I mean, some guys get away with that. Yeah. I, if, if you're if you're kind of betting on someone to emerge as a closer, like picking a guy with a 130 whip. Again, now, if you can get Wick in like the last round of a typical draft or like well into the reserves of a draft champions, sure, that's it's fine, right? Like like if once once the relievers that you like are all gone, um, and by relievers I like, I would say everyone who I think has a decent chance at a closer's job and set up men who are really skilled. Once those guys are gone, I would be okay with Wick. Now, pri- by then, probably someone else in my league will have more enthusiasm for him and will have already taken him. But if uh, I would wait until like any of the Chad Green types who are not going to close, but will just be good pitchers. I, I put him behind all of them. Yeah, I probably would too. For what it's worth, Wick went immediately uh, after the news came out today. Uh, <laughs> C.A. James, uh, he writes for Razballs in my uh, TGFBI league, took him at uh, 21.9. Uh, you can follow him at Huge Days on Twitter. Uh, but uh, he, he made that snag right away on that one there. So, hey. There is news, a little bit here and there, um, that and he acted on it right away. So, you know what? It's a good pick for round twenty-one. I think it's a good pick. Uh, I, I I'm not feeling it. I, I I'm just looking at your draft board. I see Michael Fulmer went after that. I see Paul Sewald went after that. I, I think yeah. I just rather you like have those guys going. better, huh? I just think they're better pitchers and probably I don't know. Aren't they just as I I feel like this Cubs thing is just like an open tryout almost right now like i just don't feel like wick has that much of an advantage i guess he has 11 career saves i don't know maybe maybe i don't know i think like okay so that's where i'm at i would rather just take the better reliever like fulmer or seawald both of whom are on teams that don't really have this is going to hurt your feelings because you already took giovanni soto but don't have like really good closers or anything on their teams yeah i should have taken fulmer to go along with soto but i hate handcuffing it's tough yeah especially in a fab league i think in a uh, yes i think in a draft and hold it makes sense a lot more Uh, also the expensive handcuffs are hard and fulmer at like you would have had to take him around 21 right and like that's kind of to me like you're still getting good players without you know without tipping your whole team like you that you took eric lauer in that round and then lane thomas in the next round like those are valuable to me those are valuable draft commodities like round 29 sure but i to get a handcuff and just hold them till the end of spring training but i don't i don't want to spend my round 21 or 22 pick on a handcuff unless it's like devin williams and i he's so good that i'd use him anyways yeah yeah that's 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 right um i i get that chad green you're probably going to use jonathan loisega you're probably going to use newsflash both those guys are on my radar i still will think about taking them you know, I don't have like locked in closers. I have like three guys and I'm going to have to need more. I've got Soto. I've got Kimbrell. I've got Lou Trevino. I'm probably going to take at least one more spot, maybe even two on relievers. Uh, I think there's plenty of guys in a 30 teamer that you can still take in the reserve round. So absolutely. That, yeah. And and they're and like you say, they're cuts. Like if after a week or two or maybe even at the end of spring training, they're cuts. And that's OK. Like there are going to be so many players at the end of spring training this year who we're interested in adding like once all these free agents sign and then injuries happen in spring training, like more than ever before, there are going to be so many people on that first fab run and you're going to need players to cut. So, yeah. so in my opinion, again, like just pulling a name out of the air. And I think I haven't, I don't know if I drafted this person even in a draft champion yet, but like Alex Colomay 
or Ian Kennedy. There's another one in the last yeah. couple rounds. They either have closers jobs on opening day, have signed on to teams where they get closer jobs or they haven't. And so you're either cutting them or you got a closer. It, yeah. but there's there are going to be guys that you want to pick up. And not, yeah, there's going to be a lot more pickups and there'll probably be a lot more drops too. And yep. you know, you want kind of the binary guys are either going to be <laughs> going to have a valuable role or not. You don't want to have guys that you're not quite sure about performance wise. Cause that, You'll have to, if, if I think in those cases, you know, it, those are the ones you hate to hold on to and you hate to cut. You don't want to have to make, you don't want to be put to hard decisions on those guys. Yeah. I understand having like one of those guys, like, especially from a hitter perspective, like I wouldn't, like, I don't, I don't mind having like one of those guys on your bench. Um, let's say like Joey Wendell, who has like no upside, but is fine. Like he's not going to hurt your batting average. Probably going to end up the season with about 10 homers, about 10 steals. Like there's nothing special about him, but multi-position eligible. He already has a team. He's going to have a role. If you want to have one of those guys on your bench, just to kind of cover you at the start of the year. So you're not totally relying on that first fab ranks. You're probably going to have an injury somewhere. I totally get that, but you're right. Like getting some guys who either you're going to be really excited about on opening day, or you're going to be saying, get this guy off my roster as fast as possible. I think that, I think that's more the play this year than usual. And I'm the boring guy. Like I think that's more the play this year than usual because mm-hmm. of all these unsigned players. Yeah. I think you're right about that. Uh, one other news item, a guy I had to zero out yesterday is uh cage Kim. Uh, for the uh, you know formerly of the Cardinals, he is back in the KBO. He will not be pitching in the bigs this year. So, uh, you know, he he wasn't bad last year. 346, 128, doesn't strike out a ton of guys. Uh, only he had 21 starts. He had a great career uh, in the KBO. And in fact, he signed the largest guaranteed contract in KBO history doesn't have to wait for you know the lockout to end whenever he's back home he's making money and he's you know he doesn't have to wait he's gonna play right away so big for him four-year deal he goes back so cross him off your list I actually have him in a couple, at least a couple draft champions. It doesn't really hurt. I, he was picked in round 45 or something. Right. Um, so I took a chance. He, he, he was probably better in the majors than a lot of people realize. Like it wasn't in the majors long, 145 and two thirds innings, but a 297 ERA. So, you know, a 122 whip, like he was someone who had, he saw, I know, I know the strikeout rates bad and that hurts him a lot in fantasy, but it was yeah. a little better last year for what it's worth. Not good, but a little better. Um, but he's someone in those draft champions league, had he signed with any major league team and had a rotation spot, he would have been worth having, but he's not. And right. so there's, it won't be my first cut, but there's my first zero player in those draft champions. So I won't be able to put in my lineup at all. Yeah. If you were in Raslam, you could have cut him though. So there's there that, but you didn't play Slam, So I did not. No, you I don't get never, the privilege. I've never uh, had the opportunity. You will not. You didn't really. You didn't get offered on that, or no? Actually, I never have been. I, I actually don't even know much about Slam. So, like the rules, just, and I've heard they're funky, and I heard they're fun, but I I don't know much about it. Well, okay, I'll give you the brief overview. I, we just finished ours. I'm writing mine up. First of all, it's best ball. Secondly, it's points based. Uh, so different than most of the ways mm-hmm. that you and I play. However. Did you know 75% of fantasy, fantasy baseball players are playing in points leagues? At least, at least according to ESPN's data. I've heard that stat a few that. times. Yes. Yeah. In the last week or week or two, I, I knew it was a, a good percentage, like more than half of people were playing. Yeah. I feel like I'm Cliff Clavin here. It's a little known fact. That, <laughs> you know. Love yeah. cheers. Yep. Yeah. So, uh, 
we're just old basically is what this comes down to fred is we were reared reared on uh roto leagues only leagues Clavin. even yeah, yeah and auction leagues and cliff clavin and cheers yes we're all references that uh, are very topical mm-hmm. to this day uh but you know people that are coming over from football they're probably playing more points leagues they're definitely playing more head-to-head uh and that's cool I mean, I just think we need to have more content towards that. So Razzlams does well with that. They model the scoring off of the NFBC's cut line uh, contest there. So you, you know that. Multi-position eligibility is important. Hitters, the hitter build is so much more important in points leagues. Uh, the top 36 players last year were hitters, or at least hitters plus in the case of wow. Shohei Otani. Um, so that gives you an idea like how, how you're starting your draft. If you go pocket aces there, you're probably well behind. Uh, and the other thing is it devalues UT guys, obviously, uh, and, and increases the value of the multi-position guys. Cause then, you know, they can, you can slide a guy in here and there. Uh, so you, you see like DJ LeMay, he's got a little extra value in that league as an example, Josh Rojas, where he goes second, third and outfield. That's really nice. Cause you get through the three positions plus corner and middle. Uh, and so that's basically five slots that you can, that, the algo can put them in the, you know, the AI can put them into yep. That's pretty nice. Oh, it sounds like a fun formula. I'm not actually not, I don't play in a lot of baseball points leagues, but I'm not against them. And I, I thought about that might be my mission next year or, yeah. or dip during this lockout, depending on how long, although I'm getting a little optimistic today that maybe they're getting closer, but, um, but depending on how long lockout goes, maybe I'll grab some <laughs> best ball point leagues at, through the NFBC okay. or something and, and give them a shot because because I love best ball fantasy football leagues. In fact, I love the ones that are just cumulative points. Um, yeah, I think I, I think I would totally enjoy them. I just have never really gotten into them because just like you said, world, we, we started with Roto. We stick with Roto. All the industry stuff is Roto. All the main event type stuff is Roto. Um, but I, I think points leagues, yeah, are totally just as much fun. I don't yeah. love the I don't love the playoffs type thing. I'd rather I think I'd almost rather be in one that's a little more cumulative, but whatever. Yeah, it's fine. I, I, I don't mind it in fantasy football, I guess. I still don't love that aspect of it. I like how in a roto league, like kind of the best team wins. I don't love yeah. that in fantasy football when the guy who finishes, especially depending on how your playoffs are set up, but a guy finishes like fifth and then wins the league. Um, like fifth during the season and gets hot for a couple weeks and wins the league. I don't really love that, but but I get it. It's fun. Yeah, I, there is something to be said about crushing your rival. Um, yeah, yes. But at the the flip side is that, uh, yeah, if you if you draw the bad bad week, it's tough. You know, baseball it's longer of a season though, so you get more of those head to head matchups. Plus, I think the best way to play head to head, and I know that Tout Wars has done this in the past, is all play. So you're right. going head to head against everyone, but you've got 11 games or nine games in a week. If you have a 10 team league, you get nine, you know, or in a 12 team league, you got 11 games. So a little bit different. So if you have a great, great week and you're crushing it, well, you're going to beat everybody. You're 11 and 0 that week. That's all, all the better. Uh, so you can still get that separation a little bit. You get, you know, that kind of takes out some of that luck. Yep. No, that makes, yeah, that I get, I think I would like that better uh, mm-hmm. for sure. I, it also made me think I do play, um, through, I guess you wouldn't call it the NFBC and hockey, but I've been in the fantasy hockey main event, um, for a couple of years now and it's points and it's total points for the season. And I like it. I like it that way. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah. And that's cool. Cool. Cool to do, do different things there. Uh, for more, you can read Todd Zola's, uh, Z files. Uh, if you can check that out, rotowire.com slash try. If you are listening to this and somehow are not a subscriber, you can rectify that, get a free 10 day subscription. 
no credit cards required or anything like that. Just check it out for yourself. Uh, and you can go ahead and uh, you can go ahead and check out his discussion on points leagues, how the, this, the various systems differ, and then review what he did in his draft. So check that out, rotowire.com slash try. Fred, I lied. I am going to give you one more bit of news, and okay. that is Max Muncie plans to be ready for opening day. Um, the headline is more optimistic than the quote, though. Uh, the quote is, hopefully my elbow is ready for opening day. That was the plan, and we were on track for that. Hopefully it's not going to affect me too much being the lockout, but I can't answer that until we get out there. So seems to be on track, but again, it's he didn't have Tommy John, so we don't really know for sure. He does have some UCL, UCL damage. We don't really know if he's going to be ready. I'm going to leave him downgraded, I think, after hearing that quote. Um, yep, me too. Yeah, I'm going to leave him downgraded. I, he's not like off my draft board or anything like that, but I'm going to want a discount of a few rounds from where I would take a healthy Max Muncy if I'm if I'm going to deal with this because we're yep. going to have a small – we're going to have a brief training camp. Um, you know, I guess maybe if this labor negotiation drags on and on throughout March, maybe I'll bump him up a bit. But overall – you know, he, he's going to have a small amount of time to ramp up for the season. The Dodgers are really good. Whether he's like ready or not, I could totally see him starting the year on the IL just to make sure because that feels like a Dodgery type thing to do. And then and then if the season's shorter and he has an IL stand, even if it's precautionary, that's a bigger percentage of the season. So the it's like the longer the lockout goes, maybe the better chance he will be ready for the start of the season, but it also increases the percentage of the season he misses if they just do a precautionary stint just because of the fact that he won't have as many spring training weeks as usual. So yeah, I'm going to leave him downgraded. I am too. I am over whatever number of leagues I'm in, in terms of getting Muncie so far, uh, or Muncie'd as the case may be. If you uh, ever saw Kingpin, uh, <laughs> you haven't, have you? I have not. Okay. Actually, I don't think I have. Wait, I don't think I have. It's, it's a fun little movie. Bill Murray hams it up. That makes it yeah. as a villain. That that was yeah. pretty cool to see. Uh, oh, wait, I gave it away. No, I did. there was not a surprise <laughs> there. Uh, There's nothing to give away. Uh, but it, it was fine. Uh, or if you could go for Hudsucker Proxy if you wanted to go with a Muncie reference, Muncie, Indiana. Where uh, did, you, did you see that one, a Coen Brothers movie? No, I don't think I've seen that oh, one either. Nice. I'm not a huge, I'm not a huge movie guy. I'm about to get exposed here. Other than sports movies. Well, they don't sports. even, they show movies up there? They, they do make it up here about 15 okay. years after they're released okay. in America. They eventually get up here um, once they've run through the Canadian f- film board a few times. Now, uh, I don't know. I'm just not. Well, I think it's because I'm always watching sports, but I, yeah. I'm a huge sports watcher. But I'm not because of that. I think I'm not I'm not a huge movie watcher. We could make a long list of like really, really famous popular movies that I have never seen. You and Joe Sheehan could go head to head in that category. He, Maybe he I mean I movie references all the time. That he yeah, Maybe like it's I, just me that I'm making references that are way too dated too. <laughs> Maybe, Maybe. I, it's, I'm not the guy who has like not watched any movies, but th- like there, like I say, there's a, a lot of really popular movies that I've never seen and don't really have much interest in seeing. Yeah. Thanks, Polly, for the comment. He goes, this podcast takes me back to when I was 10. Our best buddy, Fred, invited us over for uh, over the baseball talk. Got to laugh for the adults. So the closet we go and hush voices, but no less heated. So <laughs> glad it, 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 you, you kind of you, you see our chemistry here. So we like that. We appreciate you on that. Uh, before we move on and talk about our drafts, because it's what's more interesting than us talking about ourselves. <laughs> um, we're going to give you a quick note from our friends at WinBet. WinBet is now the exclusive sponsor for Rotowire's Fancy Podcast. 
WinBet brings you all the latest action with the user-friendly interface, money line bets, boosted parlays, over-unders, round robins, live betting, and so much more are at your fingertips. Want a break from sports betting? Head into WinBet's digital casino and take a spin on roulette. Double down in blackjack, slam the slots, or try your hand at Baccarat. WinBet is currently available in nine states. Arizona, Colorado, Indiana, Louisiana, Michigan, New Jersey, New York, Tennessee, and Virginia, while rapidly expanding. At WinBet, the possibilities are limitless. Register for WinBet today, make a qualifying deposit, and wager to receive $200 in free bets. Promotion may vary by state. Download WinBet now. That's W-Y-N-N-B-E-T. WinBet, the exclusive partner for RotoWire's fantasy podcasts. Jeff Erickson here with Fred Zinke. Fred is doing the Tout Wars draft and hold draft. Uh, you are the defending, two-time defending NL champ, but because you're a good dad and are going to a hockey tournament the weekend of Tout Weekend, you pivoted over to the slow drafted, the draft and hold league. Uh, you are in the 22nd round now, Fred. How do you like your team? Um, fine. It, it's it, it's so it's my second 15 team draft of the year after a lot of 12s. So that mm-hmm. then so you got to get your head around how bad your team's going to look compared to all those 12s. And then the on base percentage, which as I mentioned last week, I love, but it does definitely throw a wrinkle into just assessing your team and assessing everyone else's teams. Like there's certain players I took in this draft. Like, like I like Luis Arias, but I took him in round eight in this draft because he has a really high walk rate. And I like Robbie Grossman, but I took him in round nine in this draft because he has a really high walk rate. And I wouldn't take those guys in those rounds in a batting average league at all. Like that. So there's guys who I bumped up two or three rounds and it feels weird. I took Mark Canna in round 13. Like I wouldn't even, I wouldn't touch him in the first 20 rounds of, a batting average league, but he has one of the no. better walk rates in baseball. Yeah. And at that point in time, I felt like that was something my team needs. Um, I've tried to attack the on-base percentage. It's interesting. If I could go back um, to the beginning. So I took Trey Turner in the first round, which I felt awesome about, and I still feel fine about it. Uh, there were times during the draft where I passed up speed because I already had plenty of steals. Um, because I started with Turner and story and then in the first, as my first two hitters. And then I had, I did pick up some other steals with Grossman and chipped away with some other guys. And so I actually passed up on base stealers right at the top of my queue because I kind of needed other things more. If I had it just, it's, it's, um, if I could do it again, I might've taken Vladimir Guerrero in the first round instead of Turner and just banked like a 400 ish OBP guy. Yeah. But, but, but this is what I said that I love about the tout wars and the OBP drafts compared to the NFBC is there is no, there's no great playbook for it. Like there's no cheat sheet. There's no ADP. When the draft right. started, I was kind of guessing, you know, what my league mates were going to do as far as to what degree they were going to chase speed to what degree they were going to chase on base percentage. Um, you know, were those things, it's just different. You don't have an NFBC ADP list to work off of. So I tried my best to guess what they would do. Sometimes I was right. Sometimes I was wrong. Um, I do think weirdly somehow the OBP change, it hurts some of the speedsters and then some of them fall, fell, I thought maybe even too far down the draft board, but some of the Tom, Tommy Edmonds sat at the top of my queue forever. And I just didn't take him because I didn't He's need not that. He's an OBP skill. guy. Yeah. Because, yeah. But I like, had I started with Vlad, I would have been all over Tommy Edmond where he was taking right. because I felt like he was a huge value. But when you have Trey Turner and Trevor Story, you know, and Robbie Grossman, like it just it doesn't make sense. And, and I didn't have that OBP anchor, like that 390 
type OBP, 400 OBP type guy. So I was like, I'm not going to get involved in him when I already have my fair share of steals. But yeah, I was surprised. Akil Badu is another one. He lasted much longer, way, way, way longer than he is in NFBC. And he's not that bad of a walker. Um, he lasted forever. And there's another guy who could get you 15 to 20 steals. So it's interesting. You can't go back into your draft over again. You always have every draft. You have things that you maybe wish you had done a little differently. Like I like the oh, team, definitely. but I like the team, but there's definitely things that I would have done differently. And I, but I, I said that last week, I loved going into this, having no real blueprint for how people would handle an OBP league. Remind me uh, about that doing things differently uh, concept when we start talking about my TGFBI team, because <laughs> I, I, I can, I share that. Uh, it was funny, James Anderson, uh, you know, James and Clay are, uh, no, I'm sorry. Uh, well, yeah, it was uh, James and Clay last Wednesday, you know, cause tout started uh, last Tuesday, James, mm-hmm said he was thankful that you took Trey Turner so he could take Bryce Harper, uh, who's just an OBP monster, obviously. He didn't know what he was going to do. Well, I think he knew, but he he didn't want to have to make that decision to pass on Turner, basically. Uh, He probably might have taken Vlad had you taken uh, Harper instead, for instance. He really wanted to take Harper in this spot. Whereas in a standard Roto League, you know, Harper's fine. In fact, I've seen him go six or seven, but he's not nearly the monster he is in an OBP league. That's right. Yeah. And and when I first took Turner, um, you know, someone tweeted out, like, I can't believe you guys let Trey Turner fall to Fred all the way at pick five, like type of comment. And I still think Turner was a good pick at five, but I, like I had, I had Vlad ranked a little bit higher, but I did feel like when I picked Turner, my thinking was just having done a lot of drafts this year. If you get shut out on steals, there's really no way to massage that like later on in your yeah. draft. It, it, I felt like with the OBP that I could manage it throughout my draft. And I did like, I, like I passed up on Tommy Edmond, um, you know, and, and took someone in that area. I can't remember who it was, but I like, for example, I kind of, I got Anthony Rizzo in the middle rounds. I got, I got Canna in the middle rounds. I made sure I didn't get a catcher. I took Christian Vasquez and Sean Murphy in rounds 14 and 17. So they didn't have a catcher with like a horrible OBP. Cause some guys are going to have a catcher with like a 280. 290 OBP. Those guys will at least be somewhere in the 300s. So I, I felt like I'm kind of massaged the OBP along the way. And I, I was worried with the steals that if I could, that if, if they were gone, they were gone. And yeah. I wouldn't be able to find anyone without grabbing like really bad players. Although this tout is tout. Oh, wait, no, this is draft and hold is not a trading. Hold, that's right. Oh, you're I also felt water like here. With the OBP that maybe I could manage it a bit during the season. Whereas if I just have no steals on my roster, like you can't manage Same applies that to saves too, obviously. That's um, right. Which is yeah. another tough one right now. Yeah. So for I sure. have two closers. I took Jordan Romano in round five. I really liked that one. I took Scott Barlow for the first time this season in round 10. And I'm like lukewarm on that one. But I think that's how pretty much everyone is with their second closer right now, unless they go ahead and just, you know, Until- get two closers in the first five, six right. round. Right. That's right. So- uh yeah, and uh, I think Todd Zola was standing and applauding uh, that that Scott Barlow pick, though he he really liked it, I'm sure, because he's set the he as he's joked before. I'm stealing his joke. He sets the bar low. Um, this is something <laughs> he does, uh, and he he often gets him because he doesn't want to pay for the premium closer. Uh, so th- it's interesting. By the way, Edmund went twelve point one for those of you who are looking for him there uh, on the draft right. board to Eric Cross uh, from Fantrax. Uh, so you took before that you took Framber Valdez in the 11th round. So that was then Barlow before that. Uh, so you can see that was your adjustment. So yeah, he did. Fl- he did slip pretty far down below 
below Chris Taylor, below Glaber Torres, those are both, well, I think they're both better hitters. Tor Taylor strikes out a lot in Torres. We're not sure what happened to his power, but I think they'll both hit better than Edmund. Edmund still might run. Torres did run last year, at least. Yeah, that's true. I mean, you look at some other guys in the preceding round, like Matt Chapman, he may not, he, I know he walks, but he doesn't hit for average anymore. Like he may not have much, any higher of an OBP. Eugenio Suarez, same comment. So I, I don't think, I, I think Edmund, I thought Edmund, anyways, I thought Edmund, Edmund was a really good pick there. If I had needed steals, I just wouldn't have taken Fran Rivaldez. Um, but I did have a plan to take a lot of pitching early because it's a draft and hold. So I did do, that was intentional. So I have two, four, six of my first 11 picks are pitchers. And I, and I don't regret that at all. In fact, wouldn't it killed me to even take one more in that range, but I, I kind of cut myself off there. And yeah. then since and then, then I've been kind of filling my, my roster with hitters who should play fairly regularly yeah in fact since then you've taken one one pitcher since around 11 with Frank Bravados you took Anthony Desclafani in the 15th who's a fine seventh pitcher I like him quite a bit actually for that price uh and then you have to figure out when's the right time to step on the gas with the next round of pitchers because you're probably gonna have to take seven or eight or nine in, in, in pretty fast succession here I know it's a 50 round yeah. draft but uh you want to have guys that are usable at least that you with known roles so you're not kind of just guessing to see if you're going to be able to have anybody that's right so i'm a little reliant on jacob Degrom, obviously to come through but hey whatever i took him in the second round and but i mean when you have aaron nola as your number two that like who's an ace and you have and on most people's rosters and frankie montas who's a lot of people often will be people's number two and i have him as my number three so i kind of went very stars and scrubs with, and i got the two closers so i kind of went to very stars and scrubs with my pitching staff. So you're right. At some point I'm going to need to start picking pitchers either like at a rate of a few in a row or at a rate of like one every other round for several rounds or something to get some more pitching depth. But my plan, hopefully if it all comes together is that that high end pitching on my roster is so good that I can kind of play around with the last pitching spots every week. So, and then when I didn't take, when I took so many high end pitchers, the plan obviously now for hitting is to just, hammer away with the other teams in my league with depth and have you know a, right. a scenario where everybody in my lineup every week is, is getting me like five plus starts yeah and this is not to for the for the uh people unfamiliar with tout wars the draft and hold league this unlike Brasslam is not a best ball league you're going to consciously right. have to make the decision who you're starting in every given week so you're you're still doing tout wars that's a slow draft uh and i am in tgfbi which is also a slow draft and emphasis on slow too. <laughs> hey, oh, um, I am in the 22nd round as well earlier in the, earlier in the 22nd round, just, uh, but we started a little bit earlier than you. So that's, that's the difference. But uh, in this league, I drafted from the 13th spot. We talked a little bit about this last week, started off Otani, Burns, Merrifield, Bogarts, I passed on closers and you were the one that was urging me to pass on closers. I'm blaming you for this one here, Fred. Uh, you know, okay. The unpaid draft consultant that didn't ask to be that, but Hey, you are nonetheless. So I had opportunities round five. I passed on two obvious guys and, and Ryan Presley and Edwin Diaz. I would have gone Presley over Diaz for what it's worth and took George Springer instead. It's not an OBP league. Uh, it's a standard five by five. I just thought that Springer Still a great was pick. Yeah, heads and, head and shoulders the best hitter at that time. But it cost me obvious closers. I could have gone to roll this Chapman to six, but I have reservations about Chapman. Didn't want to take him. In fact, Chapman almost got to me in the seventh round, one pick away, 
And I kind of was like, oh, thank God I don't have to take him when he went. Because I would have taken him at 713 because I thought that was such a value. But I didn't really want to. I have serious misgivings about him this year. Yeah, and the and we already mentioned those Yankees relievers. The problem with Chapman is you don't you can't hand, totally handcuff him because on it I can't honestly say that Lewiska mm-hmm. or Green would be the closer. Like, and you don't want to draft all three of them. So, not in a thir- not on a thirty man roster. No, no. Um, so, and yeah, a even in a draft and roster hold, slot thing, I think you could do that. But you you could in a draft and hold. But Lewiska and Green don't go in like round forty five, so or forty. So it like. True. You, you are spending like some decent picks on, on guys who will, if, if Chapman works out, just be set up, man. Anyways, I, I think. And they go back to back, by the way. So you almost have to, yeah. du- you have to double up on them too. It's and, not and like then you maybe get, get a one early, early and one later. Yes, yeah. totally. I yeah. thought, I think had Chapman fallen to you, you, I think you had to take him. I, I understand. Like I'm usually a don't draft guys. You don't believe him, but I think at that point you would have, the value would have been too good. You probably would have had to take him, but. But mm-hmm. he didn't, and it wasn't meant to be, and you took Bregman, and I think that's okay. And, yeah, so now you got Gregory Soto in round 11, Craig Kimball in round 12. So you're kind of crossing your – but you're like a lot of us. like a lot And of Lou Trevino later, too. Don't and, forget right. smoking Lou Trevino. Um, and I no. think that could be good, too. So between round those 17 three, that, yeah. you know, your hope – I mean, maybe you strike gold and all three of them are closers, but you're hoping two out of the three are closers. Right. So, and maybe end up dropping one and ends up being a waste of a mid round pick, but whatever, if two of them are closers, you're fine. We, I think we, most people feel like Soto will get first shot in Detroit and Torino will get first shot in Oakland. And most people think Kimberl will get traded. So I think you've got a chance there. Yeah, I think I do too. Um, and I, I will invest in a couple more, probably two more slots on relievers, like the two Yankees that we, that were discussed, Clay is all about Team Loisaga. Uh, if you look at a Statcast page, it's it's nuts. It's it's super strong. Um, I think there's some Seattle guys I like. Uh, notably, Steckenrider still out there. Uh, you know, it, we just saw Seawald go. I think Giles is still available. I have to double check on that. Looks like I was it. a little dis- I was a little disappointed. I lost out on Jake McGee. I thought he might slip a little bit longer because I like him better than Duvall. But uh, eh. So it goes to, you know, the team, the team that has Duvall got McGee, which is really smart because yep. I think those are the only two really in San Francisco and they're going to be a good team. Yep. I think that, yeah. Doubling up on them as long as you don't have to pay too much. Oh, I see them right here. Yeah. So Jake McGee was round 20. So. And Duvall either, went late. Duvall went round 14. That's 14, later than That's really good. So, yeah. you know, I mean, you just cross your fingers that either one of them, emerges as the closer or that they both pitch so well that they share saves, but you you're okay having them both in your lineup because they're both pitching like really, really well. And, you know, and you'll take it. But I mean, ideally one of them emerges as the closer, the other guy, maybe you hold for a little while just to be safe and then eventually cut. I think that's yeah. Around 14, around 20 for, like you said, a team that should be a good team. I think that's, I think that's fine. Yeah, I think so too. Mm -hmm. Uh, So we'll see. And I got some other guys in there that I liked, Uh, you know, I, I got Christian Vasquez in the 15th. I like him for a bounce mm-hmm. back. Plus, you're not getting a zero in stolen bases, most likely, which is a, a sneaky little thing, too. Yep, absolutely. I, I think he uh, he's someone who I have on many teams this year. I don't think he's going to be amazing. Um, like I think his 2019 numbers are a bit of an outlier. But if he could just get back to hitting like 11 or 12 home runs and then you throw in a half a dozen steals, like that's, that's good. And he doesn't hurt you in batting average. And some years he kind of might help you. But even if he could be a 250 hitter and Boston's always given him a pretty heavy workload. So yeah, hopefully he plays well enough that he can keep that heavy workload. I think that's, 
definitely a, I've taken him. Yeah. Somewhere in that round 15 range. I think several times. Is that your first catcher? It is right. Second, second. Oh, that is your I, second. Right. Grandall. Yes. Grandall. Right. So yeah. I'm done. So and good. so subsequent to me taking Vasquez, I see a gray sticker go up. I'm pretty happy because I'm done. Right. I'm not going to take a third catcher. Yes. And, and it, it's not a draft and hold league. So there's no need for me to take a waste of roster spot on a third catcher. I think, mm-hmm. uh, so now, you know, that, that is, I mean, typically I am waiting to get that second catcher. So it's a little different for me, mm-hmm. but I think I kind of like it. I uh, want to highlight one other guy, and that's Eric Lauer. I just got him in the uh, 21st round. Quietly, he's becoming a source of strikeouts a little bit. Twenty, mm-hmm. Almost 24% K percentage last year, and he closed stronger than he started. You know, it's not great. It's not like he's he's going to be a, a just a, you know, a pure strikeout guy. But, I, I you know, this is a draft of an organization as much as it is the player, too. That's right. And if he... It, that's right. It's so, and if Lauer, so there's an interesting scenario here. So as long as he keeps that K percentage, so last year he was basically a strikeout per inning, 117 and 118 and two thirds. If he keeps that strikeout rate, if everything goes well for you, he continues to pitch really well, like he did last year, like be or be very successful, like he was last year, 114 WHIP, and his strikeout rate stays around a, a strikeout inning. That's awesome. Mm-hmm. If his whip goes up a bit, it means he's facing a few more batters. The strikeout, as long as the strikeout rate on the percentage side stays the same, you know, maybe you get a guy who strikes out a decent amount more batters than innings that he pitches because he faces a few more batters. So there's a couple ways this could go. As long as he doesn't really bottom out, I think it's a fine pick. You took him one round after Andrew Heaney. That is definitely a pick based on the organization. Oh, yeah. And, and it's that, a, and strikeout a strikeout upside, yes. too. Yes, and the strikeout yeah. upside. That's right. Yeah, that, that, was, the, that was the goal of that one there. Um, and the potential for Heaney is really high. We'll know pretty quickly, probably whether the Dodgers have found something or not, but the potential is certainly, he's also, Heaney's never been a bad whip guy. He just gives up a ton of home runs and, right. and has a high ERA. He's never been a terrible whip guy. His career is 126. That's manageable. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential there. And I love your t- round 22 in Lane Thomas. I think that's really I think that's a good fit for Lane Thomas. I'm not like totally sold on him that he's definitely going to be awesome, but I think there's that national. Which is why he's a round 22 guy. Absolutely. Though, but, and yes. he's batting lead off, or at least did bat lead off yes. for the Nats last year. I was debating between he and Rafael Ortega for that pick. I like, I think I like Lane Thomas. I do too. I, I did um, too, obviously. We did. I did. Um, yeah, I don't know. Lane Thomas, he can hit a homer, he can steal a base. Um, he, I don't think he maybe is a guy who should end up in a platoon, but he probably won't because I don't think the Nats, I'm kind of down on the Nats this year, just as from a lineup perspective. Like, I just don't think that they're going to be good enough to right. uh, like to have that kind of a depth roster. So maybe he's the, the, the downside of Lane Thomas is last year. He hit one, even though he was kind of effective last year, he hit 178 against righties. So like you yeah. can't have a leadoff hitter. If he hits 178 this year against righties, like he can't be the leadoff hitter in the line against righties, questioning me in the line. His career against righties is 183. So again, not a huge career, but that that's the downside. He's got to be able to be passable against righties to stay at the top of the lineup or at least in the lineup against them. But I think there's some, again, like with where you're talking in the draft, there's some good potential there. I mean, his time with the Nats, 45 games, he hit 270, 853 OPS, seven homers, four steals. Like, I think, I think it's a really interesting pick. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, and I took him, like I said, over Ortega and I took him over Abraham Toro, who of course went 
immediately after that, the next pick. So, oh, I want to ask you about one more before we leave your team because okay. I know you like talking about your team and everyone likes hearing about it. But I think of this course, is good right? stuff. Some of these players. Talk to me about Luke Voigt because he's someone who I have zero shares in, but I'm interested in. So, where do you see the pathway here for Luke Voigt? Is that that the Yankees don't add anyone and he's their first baseman? Pretty much, yeah, yeah. Uh, or like if they trade for Matt or Olson, they, Voigt's yes. probably going back. You know, yep. the, the way he loses and the way that pick, this pick, the milk goes bad on this one is if they sign Rizzo back, you know, and then he goes back to playing, then he's a platoon guy. I will get another corner infielder for sure. Um, you'll notice he's not my first first baseman, uh, but I, I just, I mean, he's got 30, 30 to 40 homer yes. potential. And do you uh, think if they sign Rizzo back, there's a chance maybe they trade Voight? We're just running out yeah. of time, I guess, for all these moves, but that to me would be a sensible move. They just, Right. Like I know there's, yeah, we're running out of time before the start of the season, but you know, you can make trades in season, real life teams make trades in season too. So, you know, I, and I feel like you're going to see more of that because of the compressed spring training, because of the, you know, just the lack of time and the lack of off season. Uh, It's going to be just cannonball run for a while. Oh, and and let's be serious. There are trades that have been agreed upon. Right. Like over the last two or three months, there are GMs who have talked, and have said, and there are trades and there are things that have been discussed behind the scenes. And there, there may be a team that already knows that, you know, as soon as this thing ends, the Yankees are going to put out an offer to Rizzo. And if he takes it, the Luke Voigt trades happening within the hour. So do you think also that they've been in contact with agents surreptitiously or is the, is that relationship so sour they can't risk it? It's a great question. I would say that they probably, I, okay, maybe I'm naive, but I would say they probably haven't been in touch yeah. with them that being said they knew the locket was coming so i feel mm-hmm. like they made sure they touched base with those agents before like i'm sure a lot of business was done like informally right before the lockout maybe where t- maybe a team like the yankees touches base with rizzo's agent and says you know we're interested we want to see where this lockout goes and where the numbers end up but you know expect to hear from us as soon as the lockout ends so they've kind of already planted that seed and and have the agent ready i I feel like that probably went on but i don't know i I agree i think the the relationship is so bad right now i don't think many front offices would be comfortable talking to free agents right and all it takes is one leak to really diminish that and for that matter there's jealousy between different agents so like one will get upset that another one's not being talked to so yeah you're probably right probably that's not happening yeah just worth, yeah. You know, and I'm wondering if trainers and, and medical people are talking to injured players on their respective teams because that's crazy if they're not. But I could see. I think that is probably. I would. I would guess that that's happening. Yeah. Just trades. Quietly. I mean, trades absolutely are happening because that helps both sides. I mean, it helps. You know, it's management with his with management. That's just management talking to management. Hey, when this yep. thing's over, right? Would you be interested in this? Right. That's easy for them to do. Yeah. Exactly. Or if we can sign this guy, I think some of them could even be contingent, right? Like, yeah, you know, when the, when this is over, we're going to try to get a shortstop. If we can get a shortstop, we'd like to flip you this guy. You know, are you interested? What would you give me back? Okay, we'll talk about this, you know, as soon as the lockout ends. Let's just end this lockout. We can make all these moves. It'll be so fun for a few days right away. Absolutely. Yeah. I am watching. I, I, I've got a side eye on Twitter every once in a while, waiting to see if they've, they've come to a deal. I, I promised. I, if it's breaking news and it's bad, I'm not going to announce it on the podcast. You'll find out soon enough. But if it's good, of course I'm going to break it here Absolutely. on the live stream. But yeah. uh, anyhow, we're 40 minutes in. We still haven't had mid-range hitters. We're going to take Let's care of some it. business real quick. Uh, this will take about two minutes, and then we'll just finish off with mid-range hitters. Uh, first, 
Want to hear from our friends at Thrive. Experience a new way to play daily fantasy sports on Thrive Fantasy. Thrive Fantasy is an exciting player prop fantasy contest. With Thrive Fantasy, you can eliminate the countless hours of research and focus on only the top tier athletes that have the biggest impact on the game. Sign up for Thrive Fantasy today and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Here's how you claim your free Rotowire subscription. One, visit rotowire.com slash thrive. Two, deposit a minimum of $10 and receive a 100% deposit bonus of up to $100. Three, play in your first paid contest and receive a free six-month Rotowire subscription. Thanks to our friends at Thrive. We also had a new sponsorship this week. We want to uh, welcome the folks from Better Edge. Do you think your betting skills are good enough to win you tickets to the Final Four? It's time to put your money where your mouth is. Better Edge is giving away a trip for two to the Final Four in New Orleans. All you have to do is join their contest at betteredge.com slash Final Four. That's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash Final Four. Better Edge believes sports betting with no fees should be the norm. And odds are it's legal in your state. Check it out and enter their March Madness contest for a chance to win a trip to the Final Four. Head on over to betteredge.com slash Final Four. Once again, that's B-E-T-T-O-R edge.com slash Final Four. Terms and conditions do apply. Finally, as always, we are on the Blue Wire Network of Podcasts, so we're going to share a note from our friends from the Blue Wire Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. The best way to learn a language? Immersion. Living where the language is spoken and using it every day. But if that's not in the cards this year, you can still learn a language the second best way. And that's with Babbel. Be a better you in 2024 with Babbel, the science-backed language learning app that actually works. Don't pay hundreds of dollars for private tutors or waste hours on apps that don't really help you speak the language. Babbel's quick 10-minute lessons are handcrafted by over 200 language experts and help you start speaking a new language in as little as three weeks. Babbel's designed by real people for real conversations, and their tips and tools are approachable, accessible, rooted in real-life situations, and delivered with conversation-based teaching, so you're ready to practice what you've learned in the real world. Here's a special limited-time deal for our listeners. 
Right now, get up to 60% off your Babbel subscription at Babbel.com slash BlueWire. That's 60% off at Babbel.com slash BlueWire, spelled B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash BlueWire. Rules and restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. And we are back. Thanks to Blue Wire for hosting all of our podcasts here in Red Wire. We have a ton of podcasts every week, not just baseball, where we do five podcasts a week, but we've got a dynasty football podcast, had an immediate reaction to the Russell Wilson trade in the NFL. Hoops, we've been all over, especially trade deadline was crazy. So lots of stuff to check out. Soccer, MMA, you name it. We cover it here on Rotowire in verbal form as well as audio. So, all right, we are going to switch from our respective leagues and, and move on over to talk about hitters that are in the mid-range, mid-range hitters. And, you know, we'll start off uh, with a couple of uh, listener uh, suggestions here first. Uh, we got a lot of people that want to know about Ryan Mountcastle, Fred. ADP for Ryan Mountcastle is 111, but his results are all over the map. In my TGFBI league, he was one of the earlier picks. He went at 85. Uh, Brant, Brant Chesser from Baseball HQ uh, said he went at 160 in his. Steve Brun said 143 in his. What are your thoughts on Ryan Mountcastle? So I haven't selected Mountcastle in any league since the news about the fences yeah. um, being moved back at Camden Yards. I think I did grab him in an early January draft and hold before that news came in. Um, I, I, he, I don't know. He's an interesting guy in that like he strikes out a ton. So yeah. like he has to hit for power to be valuable. Um, he did pick, like he got better as the season went on. He's young. He's out of like in that growth phase. I still have him penciled in for 30 home runs. I wonder if that's a little aggressive. I will say though, having him penciled in for 30 home runs, I still haven't got him in any leagues. Like in my last like six, seven drafts, I haven't drafted him in any leagues. I find myself, in a, in picking up some guys who I've maybe ranked similarly, but I like the multi-position eligibility. Some guys like Luis Arias, DJ LeMahieu, Jake Cronenworth, Ty France. I've been taking some of them over him. I think yeah. maybe sometimes when it is time to pull the trigger, I do remember that the fences have been moved back. So maybe I need to bump <laughs> that 30 homer projection down a couple, just right. a couple. I'm not bumping it down to like 23 or something like that. Like, like I moved it down to 25 back. is what that was my, that was my uh, adjustment. I don't think I'm going to go that low. I'm going to look at um, just pull, quickly pulling up how many of those homers he hit at home. So he did hit 22 of them at home last year. I don't know. If you take off five of the 22, that would still leave him with 28. I don't yeah. know if, that, if that's fair or not. He just turned – like he like he's someone who just turned, what, 25 years old. So, I mean, it's also reasonable to assume that his power numbers should – his power skills should stay consistent or could even improve. Yeah. Over the next year or two, he does get you. He got four steals last year, so he's not a total zero. Like you could project him for, I think I have him for three, but it sounds like you're talking yourself into him. Though. I never draft him. I think that's a part of the draft where his part of the draft is where I'm often taking pitchers. Um, a lot of the guys that you and Scott talked about yesterday, 
Um, like whether it's Luis Garcia or Sean Manaya, Chris Bassett, um, Fran Valdez, who I just took in that tout league. I'm often taking pitchers in there. Um, Tyler Malley, who I never seem to get, but I'm interested in. I know you're not as interested in him as I am, and that's okay. Um, or I'm taking those multi-position guys instead of Mount Castle. Cause that's a nice range. Like I said, where there's a few guys in that range in drafts who could get you two or three positions. And that's maybe just, a, if you don't have some multi-position guys by then, it might be nice to at least get one. So between those two things, I just never end up with Mount Castle. Um, yeah, but, but I'm not, I'm, I'm going to have a higher projection than, than your Homer projection. Like I, like I said, like I'll probably, I should move him down a bit, but I'd probably be in the high twenties, but it never seems to get him. But as you're, as you're noting from people sending in, uh, their tweets, the range with which he's getting drafted right now is pretty great. So if I do rank him competitively, if I did enough drafts, maybe he falls closer to pick 150 in some of them and 160, and then I get him. I don't know. He, I don't think I'm going to get him again this season. I'm pulling up. I'm going to show you his his uh, stat his Statcast page here, mm-hmm. um, and max exit velocity is great. Mm-hmm. Todd Todd Zola often talks about that, and mm-hmm. uh, and he likes that. Average exit velocity is 45th percentile. Average, the hard hit percentage is 40 is 41st percentile. So it, it's weird when he barrels it, when he gets it, he gets it, but he doesn't always get it. Yeah, which is also why he strikes out so much right. is that he doesn't always get it. So yeah, he, he's got to be someone who's going to be negative. And the other thing with guys like Mount Castle that I guess it's been talked about, but I haven't heard it talked about, too much is we talk about we talk about the individual Orioles who will be impacted by the fence moving back. So people jump on the right-handed hitters, him and Austin Hayes, um, who I also seem Mancini. to have ranked. Yeah. Right. So yeah, Santander. So I seem to have all these guys ranked competitively, but never really get them. I, I have gotten a little bit of Santander, but um, but pretty late, like rounds like 27, 28. Um, and I'm not thrilled about it. It's fine. Anyways, what we never really what I don't hear talked about much is just the, the RBI and run totals from the entire lineup. Right. right. So if this is going to cost each of these guys, a few home runs, or then it's going to cost the team some runs scored, which is going to cost some runs scored for other players as well. Cause someone's yeah. standing on base when they hit some of these home runs. So, so I don't hear that mentioned much that it could cost Cedric Mullins some runs scored, but it will. Yeah, it, it, it certainly will. Yeah, and I've cooled, uh, I haven't cooled on Mullins at all, really, either, but I have zero shares. I ha- Again, he, I have him ranked competitively, but sometimes when it comes time at the last minute to take him, I'm, I think of that, and I'm like, ah, maybe I'll take someone else instead. I've got Mullins once so far. I will say, you move the fences back, it should increase batting average because that's yep. more ground to cover. Uh, yep. But... Unless it's someone that has has a lot of launch angle, in which case those are flyouts, which are just death for a batting average. So, you know, but anybody that's a line drive hitter, they're actually going to probably benefit a little bit in terms of batting average. Uh, just, but I would say, you know, the home run hitters, uh, the fly ball hitters, going to get hurt. I want to highlight one other thing, and that is uh, what Mountcastle did against fastballs last year. Really crushed fastballs. Slugged five seventy six against them last year. Uh, 22 of his homers came that way, nine against breaking balls, two against changeups. Got to think everybody else can read that sort of data. He's going to see fewer fastballs this year. Now uh, he's kind of more of an established as a big league player. How does he adapt to that? 
Yeah. And this is that phase in his career, right? Where, mm-hmm. you know, he's got one full season under his belt. And like I said, he mentioned briefly, he got kind of got better as, as last year went on. I can't say that he like totally like got better, but his second half OPS, like, like when I go, when I go, go month to month, like his September OPS wasn't really high, but his second half OPS is a hundred points higher than his first half. He had eight homers in August and another eight in September. Um, so he was a guy who, even as pitchers were getting the book on him last year, was able to continue to have plenty of success. But yeah, this is that time, that sophomore year where, you know, pitchers are going to be more ready for him this year. Either he can handle that and maybe a little different mix from pitchers and maybe even go to another level because he is still at that in that phase of his career. Or maybe they start to battle back on him and maybe this year he hits 230. That's, that's the concern because of the high strikeout rate. R.L. Cohen with one other note, and we'll move on to other hitters. Uh, says that Mountcastle's ADP hasn't fallen since the news of the field dimensions, and then John Means' ADP has not gone up. And even though I'm amplifying that tweet right now, I want to say, shh, don't say that so loud, man. Uh, I want I want more Means on my rosters. Uh, but I, I, I'm big on John Means with the, the park changes. He got destroyed by that park last year. So interesting. I passed on means in that tout draft just a couple of days ago for Anthony Di Slafani. I don't know how I feel about that. I have them ranked like basically the same. Um, I have some concerns with means of just about getting wins on a team. That's just really, really, really bad in a division mm-hmm. where the other, t- I don't usually worry about wins much, but Baltimore is the one team that's really, really bad. And like the blue Jays, Red Sox, Yankees and Rays couldn't are all good. So yeah, I didn't like I, that's the one team I worry about, but I, I agree with you on means like means is great for your whip, like throughout his career. He's been great for your whip. If his ERA could be a little better, you know, the strikeout rate's not good, but if his ERA could be a little better. I have a theory that maybe his ADP hasn't gone up because I feel like there's people who like John means and then people who just don't. And I think the people who liked him already liked him before they moved the fences and still like him. And then, but the other people, there's people who just seem to like he because of the high ERA sometimes and the fly balls and the home runs. There's some people who just don't and the want Baltimore it. factor. That's Without right. And there's some people who just don't want anything to do with them. So maybe that's right. maybe that's the best I can come up with because his ADP should have moved up. Yeah, I think I think you're probably like he should be right worth at that. least around more than he was before that news came out. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, Brandon asks, would Brian Hayes be worth a pick at a weak position? What are his chances to get to like 260, 60, uh, 260 20, and 15? So Brian Hayes, uh, if you uh, his ADP right now, and this is from February 1st on in NFBC leagues, is 129. That's a pretty reasonable price. I, I'm i kind of in on him. Again, the team context isn't good. Same thing that applies to Mountcastle, applies to Hayes. In fact, maybe even worse because – it already is kind of a tougher ballpark to hit and it's already a worse lineup. Although we'll see, maybe Baltimore's lineup wasn't so great now that they don't have the full Camden yards effect. That's right. Yes. That that's totally a possibility Uh, with Hayes. um, Like I am, I'm fine with him. My projections of him are a little lower than what, than what we were given. So Mm -hmm. I have him right now about 16 homers, about 13 steals, 260 average though. I'm there with that. Um, that I have zero shares of him at that. There's just other hitters that I like more. I mentioned some of them already. Um, so I'm just not quite there with him. There's even someone say like an Andrew Benintendi, who's always available way later, who 
combined homers and steals, I have basically the same as Hayes. But I do know that Hayes has that extra upside. Um, Hayes is someone who could really go in a lot of different directions this year because last year he was hurt. He missed a lot of time, and, and it was a wrist injury, which is obviously going to be a big problem, right, for a hitter. I think that really didn't like didn't give him a chance to show his skills, but I think I'm going to end up with zero shares of him. I think he's being overdrafted a little bit right now. If he fell in a draft, though, I almost took him in my Tout Wars draft. Like he fell to the point where he was at the top of my queue, and then someone took him like within three picks of me, and I was that close to taking him. That would be my first share of him because he does have an okay walk rate. Um, he would have to fall more to probably like the 160s or something before I'd want him in a draft. Maybe that I've drafted Cabrian Hayes once so far. If, uh, if, he, if I do enough drafts, he might. I just don't feel him at like 120, 130. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, well, and that's a range. And, you know, I'll pull up the uh, – I'll share the, the ADP uh, screen again there, and you can kind of see. Uh, this is just – again, this is from February uh, February 1st ongoing. Uh, his range is 103 to 176. Uh, average is 137 uh, is the pick, but he's like the 129th ranked player, but the average pick is 137. You know, as you get lower, the average pick kind of climbs a little higher. Uh, what I like about Hayes, uh, Ryan Hayes, is that he runs. Yes. You don't get that from third base too often. We talk about it at the top end with Jose Ramirez, how we like building with Jose Ramirez as a first pick because you're getting, you know, elite production in all five categories possibly from a, a weaker position. Third base is pretty weak. Uh, you get a, a guy that in Cabrian Hayes that I have him for 14 stolen bases in my projection. That might be a little strong. Uh, but what if, if it's only 10, that's not still, that's still not killing you. Uh, that's still not bad. Mm-hmm. He's third baseman 11, uh, behind LeMayhew ahead of Justin Turner and Luis Urias, who I know you have in town wars, mm-hmm. uh, Turner, you know, he's coming off of his injury his own, not to mention just a career full of them. Uh, Urias, is coming off his career year uh, and also is uh, three has three positions of eligibility. Uh, so that, that once that's one point in his favor, at least. I, I think with Hayes, those are the selling points. Um, he steals bases and he steals bases as your, as a third or a corner. So if you fall, so for some builds, he can make a lot of sense. Like if you fall in behind on steals, and you're thinking of ways to make it up. One of the ways you can make it up is to have a corner or a third baseman who steals about 15 bases. And yeah. because it, now you can still grab some guys later who are outfield or middle infield who can get you some steals. One of the worst positions to be in is that position where it's about round 15 and you're thinking, oh, I still need more steals. I'm behind on steals. Okay, what positions do I have left? Oh, third, corner, catcher, right? And you're like, well, I'm not going to make up any steals in any of those spots. So I think that's his selling point. And the third base isn't very good this year. So that's where I find I'm taking Arias um, or I'm just waiting on third or maybe I already have a third baseman. But if you're, if you're into that round 10 range and you don't have a third baseman and you're a little light on steals, I could see him. I could see him fitting. Yeah. Uh, two more yeah. things on Hayes and we'll move on one. The wrist injury is a big thing last year. Yeah. You know, I think it's a big write off on the season because it lasted a long time and, Often you see when players come back from hand and wrist injuries, they struggle. They struggle to hit for power. Counter argument is he's never really hit for a ton of power, even in the minors. The one time he hit for any sort of power was like when he finally got called up in 2020 in a brief sample, he was hitting for a whole lot more power than people expected. And that was 2020 is weird. So you can write that off to a certain extent. So no, he could get, 
20, 22 homers, or he could have seven. You know, there, there, there's, there's a lot of different outcomes with Kip Ryan Hayes. Uh, I think I'll have him in a couple more places where I get shut out early because, I mean, I, I don't like Mondesi for the price. I have gotten Bregman before. I'm okay with Rendon. All the latest update on him made me kind of step back just a little bit. But I, when I have to fish in this range, he's one of the better options, I think. Yeah, I, I can see that. As I said, I have no problem, yeah, with someone taking him, but I, I also think don't think it'll be me. One more, and then we'll uh, kind of move on. And, you know, we're going to have to hit more of these range of hitters in a little bit because sure. uh, I have to go do the Tout Wars broadcast on SiriusXM, the Tout Wars 15-team right. mixed league draft, which begins at 8 p.m. Eastern time. So got to have a hard out on this one here. Uh, Ryan Roof says, there are few, very few hitters I like in the 130 to 160 range. It's a dead zone for me because I want little to do with Taylor, Kelnick, Meadows, Muncie, Adelise, Mancata, et cetera. I just tend to push up the hitters behind them that I like. Are there anyone from those mentioned that I look should look harder at? I'm pulling up this tweet right now just to make sure I get get the full list. Here we here it is. Um, no, 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 no. I don't like any of those guys either. Like <laughs> versus their ADP. Do you? Um, like I may Stevenson, be okay with Taylor. I'm Stevens is a little early. If I get him later, I, I'm fine. Taylor's the strikeout rate scares me, and I think yeah. He, you know, the thing about him is about Chris Taylor is, yeah, he, he's probably locked into one position more likely this year, but he already kind of maxed out on playing time. I think you and I even talked about that before. Yeah. Yes. Well, I, yeah. I think from all, I think I might have one share of Muncie and none of everybody else on that list. Like I'm not ready to do the Kalnick thing again. I think Moncada is overrated, but I did mention yeah. some hitters like, well, are we, and we might talk about more about these next week because you have the towers drafting because we don't really need to make a two-hour podcast right now but um i i think there's guys in that range that like i like i think brendan rogers is in that range isn't he like uh, if you have the adp list right in front of you i think uh, he's kind of in the range ryan's talking about he's at 158 so at the yeah. back end of that he's range, right yeah. in that range i i think he's an interesting guy he's someone i don't have a lot of shares of either but i like him i'll like, tell you what a- i like the two players that sandwich him better hunter renfro and ahmed rosario I like uh, them both too. So I, yeah. I'm I'm on all three. I think Rogers is interesting because he's a Rockies player who hit really well on the road last season. And didn't hit great at home. Well, the home thing is going to correct itself. Like that's going to ha- he's going to hit better at home. So yeah, if, if he's someone that. who's legitimately good enough to be okay on the road, now we're really looking. And I think Rogers he's not going to be okay on the road. No, because because it's not just the skill; it's also the adjustment, right? And, I, and that that's the thing that gets these guys. Uh, it's not the rhythm that's going to get them. It's it's sea level that's going to get them and the adjustment. But uh, uh, you did get that reference. I saw you notice that. But uh, you know that that one you're old that enough one. to get. Uh, well, he, so last year, yeah, he had an 873 OPS on the road and a mm-hmm. 723 at home. Unusual. It'll probably just flip this year. Um, but if he's even passable on the road, I think Rogers can be an interesting build guy if you're good with steals because he's going to get you like none. So if you're, and that's a middle infielder, that's tough. But if you're good with steals, but maybe needing some batting average, I think he's a fit. Um, Rosario is the exact opposite, not exact opposite because his average can be okay. But if you need steals and a shortstop, I think he's a nice fit. I think if you need power, I I like Renfro in Milwaukee. I think that's a good fit. So I think there are options there. Yeah. Just not the ones that Ryan mentioned. 
Right, right. So, so pass on all those, Ryan, and think. Yeah, think about. I have one guys. league with Meadows that was mixed labor that you and I did together, and I got yep. him after that range. I got him at like round 12, eleven or twelve. So, yeah. and bottom, it's it's close. Louis Arias, Alex, Alex is, Verdugo. What's his ADP on on your list? There, he's right in there. He's at one fifty five. So. Yeah. Let's, I just did a thing on AL East guys that I'm not getting. And I don't think, I think 155 is still early for Verdugo. My thing with him is I think he's a rich man's Michael Brantley. I think he doesn't give you a whole lot of power or, you know, he gives you a little bit more speed than Brantley, but the reason you're getting him is to try to get batting average and maybe counting stats. But I think he often hits, he doesn't even get the category juice. He doesn't get the RBIs for instance, that Brantley will get. I could be wrong about that instinct, but my point is, I you're paying like twice the cost that you're paying for Brantley too. You're paying. You know, I, I yeah. want someone that either runs more or hits for more power for 155. Yeah, so I feel like with Verdugo, so he's someone who, again, should still have his best season somewhere to come. Like he turns 26 okay. during this season, and and injuries have interrupted him a bit. Although he did play 53 games in the strike shortened season and then 146 last year. So I guess I shouldn't say that totally. Um, if this is all there is to Verdugo, like he's just like a 290, 300 hitter. Yeah. Like you said, he's going to get you about five steals and a dozen homers. That is not great. <laughs> right. And pick one fifties. He's a really, really reliable guy. I like the Brantley, not peak Michael Brantley, but almost like current or recent Michael Brantley comparison. Uh, maybe not, maybe better than current, but not mm-hmm. about the same as what, like Michael Brantley a year or two ago. Um, right. There's not much. He's a really high floor play. If you need some batting average at this point in the draft, and maybe you want to get more outfielders, he's a really high floor play. He's in a good lineup. The cumulative runs in RBI should be solid. The batting average will be helpful. But you're right. Like to have him justify that pick, 155. Like we've got to see the home runs go up at least agreed to 17 to 19, something like that, at least. Yeah. Right. So uh, he's not going to steal more bases. We're not, I don't, I don't think, I don't think we're ever going to be like, Hey, Verdugo stole a dozen bases he's last year. He's not getting younger. Just, he's getting older. Yeah. Say, I would yeah. be surprised if he stole, if he stole a bunch of bases. So yeah. we need to see closer to 20 home runs with that. Then I would be interested. Yeah. We're going to close with a question from Mark Carr. He goes, y'all mentioned Moncada. Any thoughts on him for dynasty? Uh, he thinks he's ranked too high because of age and potential. Uh, what do you? What are your th- your cumulative thoughts on Yon Mankata? Except you got to accumulate those thoughts in a minute. I a hundred percent agree. He is ranked too high in dynasty yeah. and in uh, you know I one agree. year leagues. Um, I'm just not. Maybe it's still coming. He's I don't know. He he's what turning 27 early in the season. Maybe it's still coming. But he had the one great year where he had a really high BABIP, 406. That is ridiculous, that mm-hmm. 406 BABIP. Other than that, in his career, he's pretty much consistently a low-average guy. He hasn't had an 800 OPS in any other season. He doesn't steal many bases. I've said a lot of negative things about him. Maybe he's a nice guy. I don't You're know. You're a hater. In fantasy, I used to eat like crap. I mean, I liked liked Moncada when he was like a prospect. I was excited about his steals potential. Remember how many bases he stole in the minors? I do remember. I thought this was going to be a guy who would be a consistent 30 steal guy in the majors. His career high is 12. So, oh, yeah. Red Sox fans remember because he was like the big, big investment. Steals last year. Like, if you had told me when he was coming up, getting close to the majors. That in his whatever age twenty six season last year, his age twenty six season, he was gonna get three steals and play one hundred and forty four games. 
They get three steals. Well, zero attempts in 2020 and 52 games yeah. too. Now he had so, COVID that year and he said he didn't have the same energy. Maybe he's a long hauler regardless. I mean, he's yeah. 2019 sticks out like a sore thumb. It is the outlier at the big league level. And that, everything and else that, has been it, OPS in the 700s, you know, yeah, and, that was, and it's so easily explained with the 406 Babbitt. Like, yeah. like that's and the, the happy fun ball too, by that's the way. Right. That's right. So that's why he hit 315. You take that Babbitt and normalize it. You know, he's hitting more like he did last year, 263. And not even that was a 350 Babbitt, although he's shown that he can be a bit of a high Babbitt guy. But, yeah, you know, but again, like you talk about like Alex Verdugo, like Yoan Moncada, you're getting the same similar homers and steals to Verdugo. And then, but you're, instead of getting the 290 average, you're getting the 260 average. Yep. I so think that's right. I'm not interested in him at all. Any parting thoughts before we sign off for today? I am going to get off this and I'm going to have a quick dinner and then I'm going to get this Tout Wars mixed draft fired up. I'm going to listen to it and I'm going to compare it to the one that I'm working on right now. Maybe I'll get some good ideas in the late rounds. All right. And you'll hear me blabbing on that one too. Although I take it, I'm also doing a podcast uh, tonight too. So from the 66 to seven hour, I will instead, uh, I will be uh, on, on, a, on the, uh, on the wire podcast, uh, which is a okay. uh, part of the picture list group of there. So I'm looking forward to that. Uh, but you can tune in. Uh, you can hear uh, myself and Glenn Colton, uh, Kyle Elfrank, and Jim Bowden will be on that po- uh, the SiriusXM bo- uh, broadcast of the Tower Wars draft. So thanks, everybody, for listening. Thank you to uh, all your good questions. I love the responses we get. Of course, thanks to WinVet for your sponsorship. We got uh, tomorrow, we've got Clay and James. On Thursday, I've got Lenny Melnick and Andrew Lamont joining me. And then Friday, got Clay and Todd. Thanks again for listening. Have a great day. Spring is in the air at Littleton Coin Company, and we want to help you brighten your collection. Visit us at littletoncoin.com all month long to enjoy 15% off your purchase. With a wide selection of coins, paper money, supplies, and more, Littleton Coin Company has something for every collector's taste. Use promo code SPRING at littletoncoin.com for 15% off your purchase all month long. Restrictions apply. Littleton Coin Company. Serving collectors since 1945.